T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WGR. Here's the American dream. Dusty Rhodes and Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. Sports Radio 550. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Sports Talk Saturday. No respect. No honor. There is no honor among these in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. The only hard times that I'm feeling right now is this weather, Corey. This weather stinks. We could use the rain. Uh, I don't think we need that much more uh, rain. We don't, actually. We don't need that much more <laughs> rain. Uh, we're, la- we're, we're looking at about an inch and a half in the city. Uh, yeah, and um, parts of Erie, Wyoming, more towards the south towns have got a flood warning going on. Yep, That's, uh, that's, that's my neck of the woods. we got a flood warning. So Yeah, there's basically a flood watch in effect for all of western New York right. for like today and all going into tomorrow. Um, there was uh, there's a flood warning essentially for most of the north towns extending out into you know Wyoming and Monroe and mm-hmm. Orleans counties, uh, basically wherever a creek goes through uh, an urban area. And I right. got news for you about uh, towns and villages built in the 1800s. They were all built around water. So if you're living out in those Clarences, your Wilsons, your Akrons, your Aldens, like keep an eye on the creek. That's right next door. The creek, the crick. Yep. Uh, so it's going to be uh, moist. However you want to prefer to, to say it. It's going to be a little moist. A little moist. A little moist for keep sure. Keep an eye on the basements. Everybody keep an eye on the basements. You've got cardboard yep. in the basement. You better move it up. Yep. You better you better uh, find a way to put everything up a little elevated in your basement if you uh, have some flooding in your history in basements. I, I don't know who could... In this town where basement flooding happens a lot, I don't know... Who could possibly store cardboard still in their basement? You got to get those plastic tubs, man. They're easy to get. Like, what are we talking about here? A uh, already an interesting little tidbit here that I'm seeing on Twitter this uh, this morning is that apparently the Blue Jackets are going to leave Max Domi exposed for the Seattle expansion draft. Disgusting. Little. Uh, oh, you might be oh, little. You mean like exposed as in they can take him in the draft? Yes. Yes. Get your mind out of the gutter. Sorry. It's it's eleven oh three, and we're already off to this kind you of. You said start. you saw it on Twitter, buddy. 
<laughs> Listen. Is he good? Smack Stone good? Um No, that's a no. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, he's not bad. He's just I don't think he's exactly what he was got enough of those living up to to be at the NHL level. It's not that he's bad or that he's, you know, what was he supposed to be? I mean, the reason I knew him was he wasn't he was supposed Ty to be his kid. dad. He wasn't supposed to be Ty Domi. He was supposed to be Max Domi, who was supposed to be more of a scoring offensive threat who, you know, can can really make some nice plays, put the puck in the back of the net, and and be a contributor that way. And you know, he's he's had it decent. He he started off decent in Montreal, or um, excuse me, not Montreal and Phoenix, right? Right, he started off in Arizona. It didn't go so well. He gets traded to Montreal. He gets better in Montreal, and then this past season, he gets traded to Columbus. And I don't think Tortorella really liked Max Domi in Columbus, so it's weird because John Tortorella. Yeah, right. No way. Uh, so he scored twenty eight goals in eighteen nineteen uh, with Montreal, uh, seventy two points, uh, and then in uh, nineteen twenty in Montreal, seventy one games, seventeen goals. Came back to earth a little bit. Um, and in Columbus, 54 games, nine goals, and probably was traumatized by having to talk to John Tortorella every day. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a uh, very good experience for for Max Domi in Columbus, especially in a year like this. I mean, he gets traded for Josh Anderson, which uh, turns out to be a really good deal for Montreal because Josh Anderson, especially come the playoffs, he was phenomenal. And oh boy, I'm his just... five on five Corsi numbers stink. Yeah, not great. No, so stink. Yeah. Maybe he goes to Seattle and maybe he uh, refines his game once again. And if he, and if they P- plan on taking him. His PDO numbers, too, are almost every year over 100. Mm-hmm. So not only does he not drive play, he's also extraordinarily lucky. The, so if you were going to spend money on Max Domi, my advice would be to not do that. Well, if the if the Kraken want to take a shot on Domi, he has one more year left on his contract before he hits unrestricted free agency at $5.3 million. So... You know, maybe they look at him as, hey, he comes to Seattle, he does really well for us, and, you know, he becomes a top-line forward, whereas, you know, if not, then it's like, okay, we get him for the one year, we trade him at the deadline. Yeah. Or if they're competitive, he stays with them for the whole year, helps them in the playoffs if if Seattle makes the playoffs like Vegas did in their first year, and then you you let him go to free agency afterwards. Yeah, I mean, and there's also, like, you have to meet the salary floor... You have to do. There's all sorts of. You're not just trying to. It might not be a situation where you're trying to take out all of the best players available for Seattle. There's other considerations that have to go into account as well. They're going to have draft picks they have to fill out in the organization. I have a question for you because you know this stuff. Um, how does Seattle go about filling out their minors? Do they already just sign in a, a contract with a minor league team that's out there already, and those then those folks are just in the organization? How do they take care of that business? Do they have how many? How many players do they get to pick in the expansion draft? How many of those guys can be designated for the minors? Well, how do they figure out if like a guy has a two-way contract or something like that? Well, I mean, two-way contracts are not necessarily important towards, you know, whether you're going back and forth or whatnot. That's more of just pay. If it's a one-way contract, you're getting an NHL salaried contract the entire time. If it's a two-way contract, then, you know, it's AHL money and potentially NHL money. It's 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 weird like that. Um, but, I mean, Seattle's going to have the choice of picking 30 players, and, you know, they're going to be able to pick some players that are restricted free agents, and, you know, if they want to pick unrestricted free agents, they have the right to negotiate contracts with those players and try and sign them before the expansion draft, which then it would count. 
and you know it it's it's a bit of a process but you know they're going to want to establish a young system in the AHL so they'll probably draft a few players that are more AHL players to start that have the potential to become NHL players and whatnot but um you know they they're going to have to build a team down there cuz well I mean I think they're in partnership with Charlotte this year and I think Charlotte is Florida's affiliate. Okay. So it might help them out a little bit to start so they're not so frantic to get a team going in the AHL as well. But the 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 plan is is for them to have a team in Palm Springs uh which, you know, yeah, sure. yeah raise the eyebrows so uh you know, they, they'll have some time to to build up their prospect system. They'll have some time to kind of build up for an AHL team, but I think that team comes into play in 2022-23. So. Because, I mean, obviously when you think expansion draft, you're obviously looking to fill out the roster that right. will be in the NHL, and then you have the draft where you're hoping to fill out your prospect pool, but those will be years away, and there's that gap in between. Mm-hmm. So how does Seattle address that gap in between? Because, I mean, with the Sabres, I mean, yeah, I know there's a lot, but also guys get hurt. And you got to go and get dudes to you know bring up from the minors just to fill games because you have you're you're missing you know uh, injured players on the roster who should be playing but aren't. So how does Seattle prepare for that? You know, essentially, how right? Do they, how do they build a team deep enough so that just the rigors of an NHL schedule? Yeah, you know, they're all right. It's going to be interesting to see how Seattle goes about this expansion draft compared to Vegas. I mean, Vegas they. They lucked out quite a bit with all the side deals that they made and getting some players because some other teams felt that other values were more important to protect and it it blew up in some people's faces. And not only did they do good, but like they prepared yeah. themselves yeah. for not just the year they started, but also the years afterwards. Yeah. No, I mean, well, the, the work that George McPhee did and eventually Kelly McCrimmon and, and the ownership group in Vegas was a really great job for them to establish themselves as an NHL team even before they had a team in place. Yeah. And it, it'll be, and again, with COVID and everything else that has impacted everything in sports this year, it'll be interesting to see how Seattle prepared themselves and put themselves in position to build their team going forward this season. And, um, you know, obviously for for people that aren't aware, today is the deadline for the 30 teams participating in the expansion draft to submit their protection list to the NHL offices. Uh, It's at 5 o'clock today. And then sometime tomorrow, I don't remember if this was ever disclosed what time tomorrow, but tomorrow the NHL is planning to release the uh, protection, let's see here. Clubs receive lists, and Seattle can talk to free agents at 10 a.m. tomorrow. That's according to David Pagnota from the fourth period, our friend David Pagnota. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see at least what time these expansion draft lists are exposed to the rest of you know the league and also to the fans because they're going to reveal this list. So people can then speculate, okay, this player was left exposed, this player was left exposed. Are they going to Seattle, or is this more of a, oh, hey, you know, we're going to see if they take the bait, and then Seattle can go about their business that way. So, Does Seattle or the teams have to announce any kind of side deals should they exist? They will announce the side deals at the expansion draft. Okay. That's what they did for Vegas, at least. Um, could, I, could there only be a situation where we get angry this weekend or like if this if this if the expansion draft uh players who are exposed is released like and we see the list it's either okay it's it's as expected and it's a feeling of maybe just relief 
or it's like, oh my God, I can't believe they did this. Right? Is there a way the Sabers come out of that looking good, or are they just trying to avoid disaster? Well, that's that's what I kind of want to get into this morning, is especially with the the Sabers and the expansion draft and everything else that's going to happen because. There's going to be a lot that's going to happen over the course of this next week. And, Corey, nice nice job of setting that up. I, I think you planned that out perfectly with the way to set up our conversation that we're going to have for uh, a good chunk of the day today. Because Professional. Really. Exactly. Because we're going to talk a lot about what's to come for the Sabres. And I also wanted to bring up this text from Ricky, who, who sent this out probably uh, 10 minutes ago. A, a really perfect text this morning to kind of encapsulate how this day and how the next 168 hours, let's just say, is going to feel. Uh, this rain is poetic as NHL teams submit their list for the expansion draft. Next Friday will be depressing for the Sabres. Um, you know, the hope, obviously, is that it's not depressing. I mean, I'm I'm sure that a lot of fans are going to feel really bummed out about wh- how the team is going to look over the next week, I guess you could say, because there's the uncertainty about the Jack Eichel trade, uh, potentially Sam Reinhart, Rasmus Ristolainen who the Sabres are actually going to protect because there's there's a lot of people, including myself, feeling like they're probably going to make the wrong protection on defense. I mean, with Jeff Skinner waving his no-movement clause, I don't think there's any doubting who you protect up front. I think you protect the combination of Eichel, Reinhardt, Olofsson, Hasplin, um, Bjork, Thompson, and uh, Middlestad. Those are your seven forwards. Then the question gets to the three defensemen. The three defensemen are likely going to be, uh, well, at least two of them, are going to be Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Okiharyu. The third one is the biggest question. Do you protect Will Borgen or do you protect Rasmus Ristolainen? And I, I think I think we've all made it pretty darn clear, Corey, that if the Sabres protect Rasmus Ristolainen over a Will Borgen, a player who's on a one-year deal left, who's going to expire at the end of this year, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, can walk for literally nothing if the Sabres protect him over a guy like Will Borgen. And I, and I would believe that Will Borgen would be selected by Seattle at that point unless the Sabres swing a, a side deal, which would be, um, I don't know, it would, it would be a little, it would be a little concerning, but, you know, Hey, if they if they're able to make it work, I mean, great. But I I just have a feeling that you know if <laughs> if Will Borgen is the one who's exposed in this expansion draft, I don't think it's there's going to be any doubt that he's going to be taken by Seattle. But you know, uh, there's I mean, Jeremy's made it clear. I think Joe's made it clear. Uh, so I'll make it clear here. If the Sabers don't protect Will Borgen instead of uh, you know, and they protect Rasmus Ristolainen instead. It just is going to. <sighs> I think we should nationalize I... the team at that point. I mean, I mean, sure. Some people will look at it and be like, "Well, what's what's the difference between Will Borgen and Rasmus Ristolainen?" I mean, these two seem like a lot, a very similar type players. And you know, one's twenty six in Ristolainen, one's twenty four in Borgen. Borgen's never played at the NHL level for. I mean, he's only played what nineteen games at the NHL level or something like that. The, the the difference between the two, and this is where it it helps the Sabers here is, or where it would help the Sabers to protect. Borgen over Ristolainen is that Rasmus Ristolainen has a cap hit of 5.4 million. That's the first thing. Second thing is, I think we know exactly 
what we're going to get in Rasmus Ristolainen this last year. It's the exact same thing that we've gotten out of Rasmus Ristolainen over the past several years. There's nothing more we need to see out of Rasmus Ristolainen's game in that little stretch going forward because it's the exact same style of game. Yes, he had a great turnaround under Ralph Kruger and also playing with a guy like Jake McCabe. Does Jake McCabe return this offseason? He's an unrestricted free agent about to hit the market. I would bet more than not that he's probably going to go to unrestricted free agency, get a nice contract from somebody, and take his talents elsewhere. And that's nothing against Jake McCabe. I don't blame Jake McCabe for doing what he what he probably is going to do with going to another team and trying to find success there. It is just, I don't know what more people see out of the the, the potential of Rasmus Ristolainen that we haven't seen over the past several years here. He is what he is, and I don't think there's anything more. Borgen, on the other hand, he brings the same amount of physicality as Rasmus Ristolainen does, which people will like around here. Borgen, I think, is a little more responsible in his own end compared to a guy like Rasmus Ristolainen. I think he sees the ice a little bit better. He's got a little bit more spatial awareness. He's got a little bit more just general awareness of where the puck is at all times. He skates just as well as Rasmus Ristolainen. He's always going 110%, 100% of the time, probably the same amount as Ristolainen would on a regular basis. The only thing that Will Borgen doesn't have over Ristolainen is that offensive capability. He's not an offensive guy. He's definitely more of a defensive defender who eats a lot of minutes but can handle all those minutes compared to Rasmus Ristolainen who can't handle all the minutes that were thrown at him. If Will Borgen was getting 22, 23 minutes a night, he's accustomed to getting those minutes. He got it while he was playing at State Cloud State as a top four defenseman there. He got it over the past couple of years in Rochester as he developed into a top four defenseman there. He's probably not going to be a top four defenseman here, but if he has to play top four minutes and he has to get all those minutes, he can handle it. He can handle himself on the ice. He's a smart player. He skates very well. The only thing he's not going to provide for the Buffalo Sabres going forward is the offense that Rasmus Ristolainen could, and that's not a bad thing. It really is not a bad thing if because the Sabres have other people, other defensemen that can bring offense. Rasmus Dahlin, obviously. You've got... Henry Okiharu, who's going to come back. He's a guy that can be more offensive than not. He probably should be getting some more offensive time instead of getting more defense. Let's see, if Colin Miller's here, okay, he's just going to blast pucks from the point, but he can at least produce offense. Jacob Bryson, offensive defenseman. And then from there, you look to Rochester. Oscari Laxanen on the blue line, offensive defenseman. Casey Fitzgerald can bring offense to a to your defensive group. He is a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, so they will have to send him a qualifying offer. So we'll see how that necessarily goes. Uh, but you know, the only other guy that isn't necessarily a super offensive guy in the system is Matias Samuelson, and he's on the left side. And a lot of people like Samuelson and like what they saw from him in the short amount of action he got at the NHL level. And I'll agree, like. I thought that he did just fine. I thought that he skated well and, and and kept up. I thought that he contributed at both ends of the ice fairly well. I mean, uh, Samuelson is nowhere near an offensive guy. I think he's definitely more of a defensive guy who can jump up in the rush occasionally. Similar to Will Borgen, though. Borgen absolutely has that ability to jump up, create an offensive chance, get a shot on goal, skate low. And I, I mean, I was a guy that saw it in Rochester plenty where he would jump up in the offensive rush, take that opportunity, get a shot on goal, all of a sudden the play breaks back the other way. Borgen's back faster than anybody to get back into defensive position to try and defense a rush going back the other way. He is just 
a very good skater, and to not protect Will Borgen in this instance over a guy like Ristolainen, who's got one more year left on his contract, he stated for three straight years that he is okay with a trade. He's okay to go whatever the Sabres want to do with him. He's okay with it. But this year, he also added that he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. He has to get to the playoffs this year. If you are protecting Rasmus Ristolainen over Will Borgen, you are going. Uh, Kevin Adams is going against what he said. With he wants players that want to be here. I think Will Borgen wants to be here. Rasmus Ristolainen clearly said in his end of season conference call he does not want to be here. He wants to be on a playoff team. He wants to, to win now. He doesn't want to be on another rebuilding team. And I think that's exactly what this team is. But the team will never admit that they are rebuilding. There's two things there that you said. One. I think people are reading the movement with Ristolainen wrong, like why you expose Ristolainen. It has nothing to do about offensive production. It has nothing to do about defensive production. The Sabres desperately lack players who make good decisions. And Ristolainen is a person who makes decisions that are so bad for you on the ice, and he's they, he makes them often enough to where it affects everybody else around him because players have poor advanced statistics when they play with Ristolainen than when they play without him. That... He costs you goals routinely, more so than the points he produces. So he's a net drag on the kind of production you make. And it's not because he can't keep up with the scoring. It's because he makes horrible decisions on the ice that cost you goals. And the Sabres simply cannot have those players anymore. No, they can't. They have to pick dudes who make good decisions on the ice. And if Ristolainen is saying, like, yeah, I'm kind of done here. Like, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to explore the space, which, God bless him, Lord knows he's put enough time in with the Sabres. But if that's his attitude, you even like emotionally speaking, you don't make that guy a, pl- a part of your core. Like you don't make that guy up in a position of leadership on the team. You don't want him talking to people because he doesn't care. He doesn't want to be here. He's looking elsewhere around the league and kind of daydreaming about, yeah, I'd like to go someplace else. That is not the kind of person you want to no. have influence in your locker room. Yeah. You don't want him talking that way. Uh, it's different than O'Reilly. O'Reilly was expressing like deep frustration with that they couldn't win and he didn't know yeah, what to very, do about it. Very deep frustration. But it doesn't sound like Ristolainen sounds different. Ristolainen sounds like I'm ready to move on. O'Reilly right. didn't say that. O'Reilly said, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. Right. Different nature. Yeah. But and the like, Sabres decided to move on from a right. guy who was expressing his true deep inner feelings, which is completely fine. And then a guy for three straight years say, I'm ready to, you know, if they want to move me, okay, I understand we're, we're changing things up. And if they don't, okay, fine, I'm, I want to be back. And that's the thing with but, Eichel, because Eichel sounds like Ristolainen now, too. He doesn't sound like O'Reilly. Right. He sounds like Ristolainen. Right. And, you know, I, I just, I, again... If they protect Ristolainen over a guy like Will Borgen, I truly believe Kevin Adams is going against what he said in terms of we want guys that want to be here, which, you know, it's a statement that kind of is just almost an eye roll statement anyway, which is like we want guys that want to be here. Well, when a team has lost and haven't been to the playoffs in 10 straight years, that that statement there is going to vary a little bit. There are going to be guys in the free agent market that are going to look at this team and be like, well... This team hasn't been to the playoffs. I don't want to be there. I don't want to go there and and be on a team that, you know, probably isn't going to make the playoffs for the next couple of years. It, it's just it's just a statement that just people can construe it and stray it in in different ways and it and in this case for Buffalo, it just it is not going to make anything better unfortunately. You do not need to get something in return for Ristolainen to improve your team. And I know they can. So they should try and get it. 
and there are plenty of dumb GMs out there, so they probably can try and get something. That's great. Yeah. Go ahead. If you can get a player and a draft pick for Risto Linen, God bless you. You do not need to make the Sabres better but to get something for Risto Linen. Removing well, him from your blue line makes your team play better hockey. Yeah, and, that's and it. Here's, here's why we're bringing up the Rasmus Risto Linen discussion. Corey, if you can get the Darren Drager clip ready. Darren Drager had kind of a... Um, Franklin Franklin Heinzman wrote the article yesterday, so I'm, I'm quoting him on this, but he kind of had a little bit of a, a mic drop of sorts at the end of his interview with the instigators yesterday when talking about Rasmus Ristolainen. Here's what he said about Ristolainen and the idea of the Sabres moving on from him this offseason. Almost there. Okay. This is so exciting. Oh, wait, there it is. Detention. That's the thing. Is that the thing? Let's find out. Here it goes. There's teams digging in on him now. There's teams digging in on him. The ask is is a good young defenseman and uh, a high draft pick, I would say, coming back. So that might be more than teams are, are willing to stomach. And I can't tell you which teams are most interested. I know you're going to push me on that. I just know that there are a couple. Maybe Resto goes before the other two. How would that be? So, I mean, with a quote like that, you know, Maybe he's going to go. So so when is that? Is that today? Is that before the 3 o'clock transaction freeze today? Because it should be. I mean, it should have been three years ago. It, it, I just don't understand what value they're hoping to get out of a guy like Rasmus Ristolainen, who, again, has given you everything that he's given you, and it's been the same story every single year. I'm just cold-calling the three Western Canada hockey teams. <laughs> Seriously, just going around the horn. The, just the, saying, the Canucks, the Oilers, and the Flames. Just big, just hey, big, stupid meatheads Ken, out there. Ken Holland just made a trade for Duncan Keith and, and didn't retain any salary uh, or didn't force the Blackhawks to retain any salary with that trade. So Absolutely. Like, uh, oh, my God. Jim Benning is a, is the GM that uh, is out in Vancouver, and he would love a guy like Ristolainen. Mark writes in uh, on Twitter here, if Sabres protect Ristolainen, it's because they have a deal in place after the expansion. We have the right people in the front office now. If we lose Borgen, the return on that Risto trade will be more than off, will more than offset that. No, I, I don't agree with not. that. No, you you tell the other team, I'm not protecting Risto Line. You want him to come get him. If if a team is willing to pay more than a mid round pick for Rasmus Risto first off, like good on Kevin Adams, congratulations. Second off, that other team is absolutely nuts. And, and if that's the case, why wasn't a move made like this before? Why wasn't a you know if 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 the report is is that the Sabers are trying to get a, a young defenseman and a high draft pick? Like what? What is a high draft pick? Is it a second round pick? That's that's about as high as it goes for me. It's first and second round, and then when you're talking about mid round picks, you're talking third round pick to like a fifth round pick, and then six and seven is a lower draft pick. So so you're getting a second round pick and a young defenseman that is going to be NHL ready, AHL. Re- Can't believe. It. I mean, I mean, if that's the case, then why hasn't this move been already made? I, I mean, sure, that sounds like me being super pessimistic about this whole situation, but if the Sabres really are in, in, going to make this trade and that's the return they're going to get, why didn't a trade like this happen sooner? Because they overvalued Rasmus Ristolainen ginormously, and I know ginormously is probably not a, a word that you know is adequate for Rado, but It's a Saturday. It is a Saturday. That is very true. I, I just There's just no way 
in my mind, I see the Sabres getting that kind of return for Rasmus Ristolainen because so many teams around the league know exactly what he is. If they would have gotten that return for a Ristolainen deal a couple of years ago, they should have taken it in the first place. I, I, I And Brian Burke, he had a story. I think this was when he was working in – where was he working? Anyway, he was working still in the NHL, not with Pittsburgh recently, but there was a trade that pretty much was in place to acquire Ristolainen, and it was almost done. And then the analytics department came in and said, look, we we can't make this trade for Ristolainen because he's going to be a liability on your team. Teams know exactly what Rasmus Ristolainen is, and if they're willing to give up the high pick and the defenseman for a trade for Ristolainen, good on Kevin Adams because he's getting that return, I just don't see that happening because exactly we know what Ristolainen is. We know what he's going to bring to a team. And yes, he's got one year left on his contract, and it's a $5.4 million cap hit. That's another thing to take into consideration. Unless the Sabres are retaining some of that salary, which they should look to not retain some of that salary, if anything, at least 25% or something like that. You're not retaining half the salary. If you're doing that... I, I just it just screams in my mind just why it wasn't this done sooner. Why couldn't you have found a trade like this and why were you overvaluing a guy? Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, 8030551888552550 is the number here. Uh what are you uh, how do you think things will play out for the Sabres going over the next several days here? The transaction freeze takes place at 3 o'clock today. The NHL has to get all the expansion draft protect, uh, protection lists in by 5 and Tomorrow we'll find out who from the Sabres was protected uh, for the expansion draft coming up on Wednesday as Seattle will officially look to pick their team going forward. You can chime in with your thoughts, 803-0550. Do you think that uh, Eichel, Ristolainen, Reinhardt, whoever is going to be moved, uh, you can certainly let us know over the course of the day. We do have a busy day, so I will warn you that phone calls, we will take your phone calls, especially when we have a couple of our guests on. Um, but coming up next here, we're going to have Brian Cozio. We're going to get an update on the Open Championship going on right now in Sandwich, England. Uh, we'll get an update on that. We'll also ask Brian a, a couple thoughts on on who exactly will probably be protected in the expansion draft for the Sabres, as, of course, he is the in-game host for the Sabres Radio Network. We'll also talk with Paul Hamilton at noon. That's where you can probably get your phone calls in with, with Paul and I. And uh, we'll we'll certainly discuss the next few days for the Sabres going ahead. Paul's got an article on our website as well, WGR550.com. At 12.30, we're going to speak with Chris Daniels. He is from King 5 News in Seattle. We'll, we'll ask him, hey, how's the atmosphere in Seattle right now ahead of the Seattle Kraken and the upcoming expansion draft and the upcoming draft? Where do you think they're going to turn? We'll get that situation uh, from Chris coming up at 12.30. At 1 o'clock, we'll speak with the noted jerk, Joe Yearden, from the Associated Press and Die by the Blade, where you can find him. We'll talk with him at twelve or at 1 o'clock, I should say. Get the latest on the Sabres. You can also call in and, and ask your questions there with Joe and myself. And then at 1.30, we will spoke with, we'll speak with Tony Ferrari from DauberProspects.com. We'll get a final look at the NHL draft class ahead of next Friday's NHL draft round. One of the draft round. Two of the draft It's going to take place on Saturday. And uh, next Saturday, I should say. So it'll be myself and Nate Geary uh, co-hosting next Saturday, helping cover the draft. We'll also talk plenty of football as well, as it'll be kind of an extended edition of Sports Talk Saturday next week. So that's what's on the docket. We'll have Brian Koziel coming up next here. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary on this edition of Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. 
Ah, uh, good old Yanni with some uh, golf theme action. I believe this is the theme for the U.S. Open. Yes. Thank you, Corey. On our Western Hotline right now, we're going to reach out to our own Brian Koziel, host of Tea to Green and also the in-game host on the Sabres Radio Network. Brian, good morning. Thanks again for taking some time. Good morning, Brayton. Good morning, Corey. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing all right. We're doing well. So I do want to get in some Sabres questions with you, get your thoughts a little bit on how everything plays out here over the next week. But first, uh, we'll talk the Open Championship right now that's going on in Sandwich, England, because, uh, hey, look who's near the top of the leaderboard again, Brian. Louis Oosthuizen, who, I mean, he's certainly not a guy who is um, not accustomed to being near the top. He won the Open Championship in 2010, but since then he's pretty much been the ultimate bridesmaid in major golf tournaments. I was talking about this with Corey during the break. He has had six, I think if I count it right, six different times he has finished in second or tied for second in a major tournament since his one major win in 2010. Is this the year he finally gets it done and can get back on top of the major world? It's definitely trending that way. I mean, he's playing flawless golf he's got like one bogey now into his third round over this course of this entire tournament on a course where if you get one just unlucky bounce you can be in real trouble with some of the rough that's just a few yards off the fairway so credit to him he's been great even the few times that he's been in trouble he's been able to come away with a shot or a putt that's been able to save par for him uh it's it's pretty incredible when you read that number there's six runner-ups he obviously does have a major win, so it's not like he'll go down in history as like the guy that couldn't get it done. Right. There are other names that maybe you could put in that realm. Um, and here's even, you mentioned over the last decade, he's had six runner-ups, so obviously a great decade of major golf. Here's how good he's been, though, just over the last two years, or over the last calendar year, I guess. Yeah. His last nine rounds of major golf, he has... Of, he has been in the top three at the end of the round every single time. The two this week, of course, so far, Thursday and Friday, all four rounds of the U.S. Open back in June, and then the last two rounds of the PGA Championship. So, I'm sorry, last three rounds. The nine consecutive rounds at the end of the day, he's been in the top three. Man. So that's really – I mean, he's playing, obviously, as good a golf as anybody – uh, in the world right now, especially in majors, and he's in a great spot here to get a second major for himself. He's got some big names that are chasing him. Jordan Spieth's off to a great start today. Colin Morikawa is there. Uh, world number one Dustin Johnson's not too far behind, but um, I, you know, I, I think it's going to come down again if Ustazen can just stay out of trouble. He probably should have won the U.S. Open. Um, a little snake bitten when John Rahm made those two incredible putts on the last two holes, yeah. and he did something that he never usually does, which is make a mistake. He hit a terrible drive on the second last hole, uh, which really cost him when he had to take a penalty stroke. So, uh, as long as he kind of stays steady like he usually does, uh, he's definitely trending on his way. Just more perspective on your stat that you brought up: six runner-ups, pretty impressive. Anybody else active that has more than him, Phil Mickelson has nine runner-ups hmm. in his career. He's won six majors, though. Right. Um, Mickelson actually has six runner-ups in the U.S. Open alone. That's the one major that Mickelson doesn't have. And now even the biggest perspective of all, who has the most majors of all time, of course, Jack Nicholas with 18. This is how good Jack was. Nicholas has 18 major wins. 
he has 19 major second place finishes. Dang. So, so 37 times Nicholas has either won or finished second in a major. I mean, that's obviously an incredible number right there. And and Louis Oosthuizen too is just such a smooth golfer. I mean, I was I've been watching him over the past couple of days when he's out there. His tee shots, I mean, he rarely ever slices it or pulls it. It's usually always just a nice arcing shot straight down the middle. He keeps his game so simple, which I think at least right now as to why he's having such a successful run in all these majors. I think it's a great word, smooth. I, I think that's where you use there. I love it a lot. It, it's the exact opposite of what you might see from Bryson DeChambeau's swing. Now, can Bryson DeChambeau, when he connects right, hit it farther? For sure. But... Louis Oosthuizen has been smooth and steady, and in play, DeChambeau has been all over the place, and of course, he's drawn some headlines, too, for not hitting his driver well over the last two days, so um, it's, if you're going to, everybody, if, if you're a golfer and you're trying to emulate pro golfers, everybody has their own swing, because everybody has their own body. No one can hit, hit exactly the same, Right. but if you were going to emulate a swing to try to hit it like... Oosthuizen's a really good guy to model. Hmm. I might have to watch him a little bit more. He might help my yeah. game, golf game a little bit better. Brian Koziel, Tita Green host, joining us right now on the Wester Hotline here, talking about the Open Championship, the Open, whichever you like to call it, the British Open. It's a, it's going on right now over in England. So when looking at the top of the leaderboard, Oosthuizen currently right now is a one-shot lead over Jordan Spieth. He's got a three-shot lead over uh, Colin Morikawa. Are these two the only ones that legitimately have a shot in, in, in your mind there, Brian, at catching Ustazen at this point and surpassing him? Or is there anyone that's um, coming up behind that, that seems like could have a chance at, at getting a, a chance to at least match him or overtake him? I think probably realistically it's, it's down to these two, Spieth and Morikawa. Can they? I mean, again, we have... Most of today and all of tomorrow, and Spieth's only down by one. So, I mean, obviously that can change in a second. One shot on a golf course over almost two rounds is nothing. Um, but because of what we had just talked about, Ustay's in steadiness, uh, his, I guess you'd say, his reputation for not making that many mistakes, uh, you're going to have to shoot a pretty, really good number. Now, there's guys that aren't too far back that could possibly do that. Dustin Johnson's one of them although he's dropped the shot today, so now he's five behind. And John Rahm, who's also five behind, uh, Rahm shot a, a very, very good round yesterday of 64. He's capable, the world number one, of doing that as well. But uh, I, could, could some of them catch Ustays and maybe, but remember to catch Ustays and you also have to go buy Morikawa and go buy Speed. So I still think the best money is on one of these three at the top just because of the class of the golfers that they are. They all play a little different. Ustazen, as we said, steady, calm, collective. Morikawa is as accurate as anybody in the game. And Spieth, a little bit more erratic here and there. Definitely the most fun, I think, to watch out of the group in the sense that he's a little bit more emotional. He makes long putts as good as anybody. He loves putting on these greens at the open. I think one reason why Spieth's been so good uh, over the last five years, he has the best score to par over the last five uh, Open Championship, Spieth does. Yeah, um, is because these greens are slower in these rotation courses that they use for the Open Championship in England and in Scotland, and he's able to be more aggressive with his putter. He says that that's one thing that he really feels like is an advantage to him, and that's why he's been so good with the putter. He also here's another stat: 
he leads over the last five last five Open Championships. He leads all golfers in one putts. Wow. So that means yes, he's making putts when he has a chance to. Probably some longer putts are going in, which we've seen. But also then when you're trouble and you're in trouble and you've missed the green, can you get up and down to save par and not lose your round and not sort of fall back from the pack? Obviously, all the one putts he's had, uh, he's been able to do that. So. Uh, if Speed stays hot in the green, I picked him coming into the week, so I, I still like him to win. But I mean, Ustazen is is very very steady. These three guys at the top, uh, world class golfers. If any of them win, uh, it wouldn't be a surprise at all. Brian, uh, I also have another stat to point out. This is just becoming the golf stat of the day show uh, <laughs> with with Spieth. Spieth in four of the last five, or four out of five uh, major championships, I think has shot the first two rounds below 60 and he's won four of those five and he's done it this time around. So, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe he gets a chance to complete uh, another open championship win. Cause I believe that's his last major championship that he's won. Yeah. So when, when he's on top like this, he's a good front runner. He likes to play well out in front. He kind of gets that confidence going uh, like McElroy does when he's been good. McElroy's had a, a rough up and down week again. He played, when we were doing tee to green this morning, we were watching Rory. He was four under on his round, and we were thinking, hey, maybe he could get back into it. And then he ended up bogeying more holes down <laughs> the stretch and only finished one under on the day. So um, he's been rough up and down this week. You know, some of these other bigger names, of course, we saw Phil Mickelson, the PGA champion, uh, at one point was in last place on Thursday. He shot an 80, so mm-hmm. it was a rough week for him. But there's, there's a ton of good guys at the top. Uh, as I said, Dustin Johnson is there. John Rahm is there. So uh, the guys at the top, I think, again, I think the winner comes from there, but they can't slack off. They've got some really, really great names chasing them that are just a few show, shots behind. Right, and Jordan Spieth just bogeyed, so he's now back down to nine under par, two shots back of Ustazen. All right, Brian, let's get to the Sabres here because it's going to be a, a, an eventful weekend for them. They obviously have the transaction freeze coming up today at three. They have to get their protection list to the NHL offices by five. Tomorrow, the NHL will release all of the protection lists after they approve them. And then from there, the expansion draft Wednesday, and then uh, after the transaction freeze lifts at 1 o'clock Thursday, they have until Friday to for the NHL draft. How crazy do you think things are going to get here over the next 168 hours, we should say? Well, I mean, I guess anything is crazy compared to what we've been seeing, Brayton, which is nothing. I'm very surprised that Kevin Ennis not has not made a move. I'm not even saying that the Jack Eichel trade – uh, hasn't gone down yet, but Sam Reinhart, Rasmus Ristolainen, I mean, these are two names that I thought for sure there would have been a move made by now, and they haven't. And I guess the, there's more layers to the Eichel piece. There could be moves made with the expansion draft that involve teams maybe having to free up cap room to get a guy like Eichel. Or maybe they're still doing their homework on his injury to try to figure out whether or not they want to make this work or not to give up whatever they're going to have to give up to get Eichel. But with Reinhardt and Ristolainen, like, that situation isn't changing. Like, it is what it is. We know Sam Reinhardt has the year left, and he's not going to sign here long term. We pretty much know that. And Rasmus Ristolainen is pretty much in the same boat. You know what you're going to get from him at this point. A month from now doesn't change the value of either of them in my eyes. Thank so. you. I'm surprised that we haven't seen 
anything. And, you know, obviously the obvious tie with moving Ristolainen allows an extra protection of a defenseman, and then it goes right to Will Borgen. Today, to me, the big news, of course, is going to be whether or not the Sabres decide to protect Ristolainen or Borgen. I know a lot of fans are going to be upset if Will Borgen is exposed. I know from talking with Paul Hamilton, he thinks that Seattle, unless there's an agreement and trade made where the Sabres are giving Seattle some enticement, Mm -hmm. he thinks if there's nothing there that they're going to take Will Borgen if he's actually available to them. So um, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. I mean, we, this is the thing. It's so hard to try to think about past next season. We're always thinking about what's next season, what's next season. It's hard to think about past it, especially with this team. Believe me, I've been watching every single game for a decade. The last thing I want to think about is another year of, like, treading water. But at the very least, you have to think about the, the year following. The Sabres are not winning the Stanley Cup next year. Let's face that. We know that. So, is Sam Reinhart going to be a part of the team next year? He could be, but is he going to be the year after that? No. Has he come off statistically, I think, his most impressive year? I do. He's put up great numbers, but in that 56-game season, the number that he was able to put up, considering he did a lot of it without Jack Eichel. Remember, that was a narrative. Oh, well, he's just you know, carrying off of like the Penguins forwards get when they play with Crosby. Easy points. Well, he did a whole bunch of it without Eichel, and he showed versatility. He now shows that not only can he play wing successfully, but he can play center successfully. So Reinhardt, to me, is about as high as, he, as a value as it ever would have been. Mm-hmm. i got to imagine that there has to be something there that Kevin Adams would find enticing to move him. Right, unless and, unless they're thinking that, you know, maybe since Don Granado's in, in place as the coach and how Granado spoke so highly of Ristolainen that maybe now the approach is that you try and focus on getting signed to a long-term contract and now he becomes the leader of your franchise going forward. I mean, that's the only other thing that I can think of. Yeah, and, and you know, taking for... You're right. I mean, is there some sort of conversation, negotiation to think that Reinhardt is open to signing long-term? It didn't sound like it. I mean, and he pretty much was, without saying, I don't want to sign a long-term contract in Buffalo, he pretty much said, I don't want to sign a long-term contract in Buffalo. Right. um, To lose him or have less ammunition in terms of trading power just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I think... Selling fans on next season is going to be very difficult. But I think Sabre fans, they're very loyal. I give them a ton of credit for this. If Eichel and Reinhardt and Ristolainen are moved and you have lots of prospects and you have lots of picks and you have some, let's face it, a couple of at least different quality players coming in on these trades, I think fans at least can say, see the turnaround and the rebuild plan like in action to the point where it might motivate them to go to actually support the team. Yeah. If these guys are all just kind of on the team knowing they're going to be gone, like, man, the motivation for fans to, to spend their hard-earned money to go down to the building, I just think is going to be almost at nothing. So yeah. I, Kevin Adams is in a tough spot. I understand that. The trade value for what you thought you could get for some of these guys might not be out there, but um, – at some point here with this expansion draft, like this extra layer in there, I, I figured that to be able to extra to be able to protect extra guys, I, I thought that one of these moves, if not both of them, beyond Eichel would have been done already. Well, Brian, I I, I would say enjoy the rest of your weekend and, and maybe get out on the golf course, but I, I think you're getting washed out today and 
Um, things might be a little too wet for tomorrow, but you know, yeah, I, I we mean, hey, at, you got plenty uh, of time to watch the Open Championship at least. That is true. Yeah, we we did TD Green from Glen Oak today, and uh, they were washed out. And I know most of uh, the golf courses that I'm seeing, just even through their social media, are closed for the day. It is raining hard in my house in Amherst. I'm sure it is at the studio too, and. There won't be uh, much outside fun. So, yes, I'll at least get to watch a lot of the Open on, on TV, which uh, I guess is a, a nice consolation prize for me. Well, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the Open Championship, and we'll uh, we'll talk again soon with plenty of golf and Sabres action to talk about as well. Thanks again. Okay, Brayton, thanks. Yep, Brian Koziel joining us on the Western Hotline, talking plenty of golf, talking plenty of Sabres, and uh, I'm sure we'll touch base with him <laughs> as time goes on here because there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of action going on, especially with the Sabres here moving forward. And taking uh, again, thanks for Brian for taking the time. We'll come back here after this break. We'll, we'll wrap things up real quickly for the next hour because then we're going to welcome Paul Hamilton onto the show, and you can get in with your phone calls. So, Dan, you're on the line. Now you're not. If you, uh, if you are listening, though, still feel please feel free to call back and get in your question with Paul because uh, that's when we're going to get in your questions and your comments about the Sabres here coming up next uh, with Paul Hamilton. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary today on Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Going to try to keep this segment as short as I can because we got Paul Hamilton coming up and I want to give plenty of time for Paul to uh, get his Sabres thoughts in. He's wrote an article WGR550.com and we'll talk about that. Just a quick update from the Open Championship. Jordan Spieth birdies once again. He's back to 10 under par. One shot back of Louis Oosthuizen. So again, we'll step aside. Paul Hamilton comes up next. Chris Daniels from King 5 News in Seattle at 1230. Joe Yerdon at 1 and then Tony Ferrari from DauberProspects.com at 130. Stick around. More action to come here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.